Beginning tomorrow, I'm encouraging you to join me, my family, and our leadership with 21 days of prayer and fasting. Prayer uh, specifically for our revival, but not just for it to be an event. And it's not Tim Todd's revival, it's our revival. He's just the guest speaker. And uh, uh, we're asking everyone to join us this month just to get spiritually focused and our priorities in order. Fast something that affects you spiritually. Something small, can be very small. Uh, Something that you can just uh, pull, pull it aside, whether that be that Facebook or that TV show or that time in the morning, uh, or maybe it's that, that extra cup of coffee or that soda or whatever it be, something that you would just take notice that, hey, this little part of this controls me. Maybe it's that uh, uh, negativity. Maybe it's uh, you know something else in your life that uh, you want to say, I'm going to put that credit card away this month, or whatever it is, you know what affects you. And uh, put that aside just for this month and, and allow God to use that. And we're going to talk about that in a second. And then the week of prayer, the 17th through the 23rd, uh, our small groups will be uniting this, and, and uh, we'll be talking each day about a different, uh, we'll be putting on our Facebook and in our uh, bulletin different things that day, throughout that week, sorry, that we'll be praying. So each day we'll have a different topic like we did last year, and uh, we're going to be praying for our community. And we'll invite you to join us across the entire parish, wherever you are in your homes that day, uh, to pray with us about that topic. And during that week, our, our sanctuary will be open. Uh, the doors will be open during our office hours. Music will be playing. You can come and go anytime you want. And our staff is here uh, every day from 9 to 10 in here praying. And so you're welcome to come and join our staff as well. And so we'll have our community prayer walk, and we're going to be going door-to-door on Saturday, January. You know, there's a lot going on in January. Uh, door, uh, door-to-door prayer walk. Join me Saturday, January 16th, 10 a.m. Right, be right here. Be early on time. I'm going to hand out some things, go through a little bit of training, and we're going to divide up and go to different communities uh, and go door-to-door and, and just get to know our neighbors, number one, and get their prayer requests. And we're going to pray for them uh, if they would let us, and then we're going to invite them to the revival as well and offer them uh, van rides if they would like to come to the revival. We'll drive, we're looking for van drivers for that. And then uh, our revival, check out that, and all that's going to be on our Facebook and our website and things but a lot of things going on, including our Connect course, which is launching in February. So God's, man, we're on the move, ready. God's got some stuff going on, and I'm ready to be a part. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, yeah, ushers, if you would hand out our uh, flyer, our handouts tonight. Okay, I'm going to pray as they're handing these out, and then we'll start the recording for tonight here. But uh, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for tonight. Lord, we pray as we enter into a season of fasting and prayer, God, you'll guide us, that we'd be spirit-led, that it'd be for your glory. And God, let it not be something out of religion or tradition, but God, let it be something that is a heart change, a life change, and for your glory, God. And we pray that you would guide us in your word, guide us by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The title of tonight is A Fasted Life, and we're just going to do a, a little bit of a deeper teaching uh, on fasting, kind of fasting 101, and I would encourage you, uh, those of you who have a Dake study Bible, it's, this is a lot of it, is from that, that Bible right there, so you'll be ahead of the curve if you have a Dake study Bible. I think Wayne's got one, Angie's got one, Miss Evelyn's got one, I have one. Uh, very good Bible, and uh, most of them are in King James, so, uh, but they're good study notes in there. So this is a lot of it, and I'll give credit to that, that work. Matthew 4, 4, it is written, 
Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And tonight, feel free to interact, ask questions, and we'll just do some discussion, because we'll do some teaching tonight. And, uh, but what is a fast? What is a fast? Throw some things out at me. What's a fast? Not eating something, okay, that's very good. That's the basics. Well, and getting away from things, that's good. What is a fast? Fasting is a voluntary abstinence of food, okay? Uh, drinking only water in order to humble yourself to God and focus more on Him in prayer. That is the most basic definition. But it goes a little bit more than that. Fasting uh, is joined with prayer and Bible reading. And it's there to deepen our devotion and communion with God, okay? And fasting and prayer, the Bible tells us, releases the power of God in our lives and over the circumstances that control us. And nearly every Christian, one author says, that has been greatly used by God, fasted uh, during their life. That was a part of their foundational beliefs, right? And every revival has been preceded by prayer and fasting. That's true. Every revival is preceded by prayer and fasting. Uh, so where in the Bible is fasting? I'm going to throw a few verses out of here, and you have some of these on your notes. Uh, and anyone who wants to ask for these notes, you can uh, look on our website or email me, and uh, we or email our church office. We'll get those to you. But 2 Samuel 12, we talk about David fasted while he was de- uh, in desperation for the Lord not to kill his child uh, because he, he did something he shouldn't have done. And it says he spent nights lying on the ground. So it's like this, more than just, okay, I'm not going to eat. It's like this desperation. So fasting has this emotional attachment to it, okay? Uh, Psalms 35, uh, David wasn't, again, it wasn't uncommon for David to fast. And he says, I put on sackcloth and humbled myself with fasting. So it was even a mourning. Even again, it's the, this groaning for something beyond just not eating food. It, there's, there's some need, a desire for something beyond that. 2 Chronicles 20, uh, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, he was about to be attacked, so he called a fast for all of Israel. So something that we can call, that we can, uh, all of us together can unite in a fast, okay? We see that in Scripture. Ezra, um, chapter 8, took a fast uh, for safe travel. God, I want to be safe. We're going on about to do something uh, dangerous, perhaps. Let's fast and make sure we're in line with God, all right? So we want to be in the will of God because we're in something dangerous. That, that can help in fasting. Uh, Ezra 4, or sorry, Esther 4, people fasted for the safety of the Jews and for God to help Esther persuade the king. God, we want uh, your will, God, for this vote, for this leader, for this appointment, for this big thing that's happening in our country. And so we fast and pray for that. And we see that God moved in that situation. Joel 1, Israel fasted and mourned to God. And we know the big one, Jesus uh, fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And he did that at the very beginning of his ministry, led by the Holy Spirit to go into a wilderness, secluded alone, to fast and to pray uh, for 40 days. And the church in Acts fasted and prayed quite often. There are 35 fasts that we know, or, or you could maybe argue more, but 35 fasts in the Bible, that's a good amount. So what do you think that means? There's that many in the Bible. That probably means it's pretty important. And... To be honest, fasting really for most Christians is not a normal part because Lord knows in America we like to eat, and probably more so in the South, right? We have good recipes, good cooking, and we love fried food, right? So fasting, 
Note the attendance tonight. No. <laughs> uh, fasting. Fasting. It's got to be, a, it's a foundational thing that nobody likes to do. Let's just say, it's like eating our vegetables for a child. You know, you don't want to do it. Lord knows my child does not want to eat her green beans and carrots. But sometimes we've got to do things to get healthier, right, and to get better. And uh, Dake uh, says, he says that since fasting and prayer are so prominent in the Bible, modern Christians should do more of this until they receive the power with God over all the powers of the devil. Man, we'd be fasting a lot. Many things about fasting and its benefits are not known to modern men, but those through the ages who have been great men of prayer have also fasted much. It's always combined with prayer. And so let's go through these. There's some do's and don'ts of fasting. Turn with me, if you would, Isaiah 58, verse 5. And this is the main text tonight. And this is the principal text for me when I think about fasting. And I love this chapter. I love Isaiah 58 uh, for what it talks about on fasting because we can be very religious in anything that we do. We can pick a church time and say that's when church starts. We can say this is what you should wear to church. We could say that this is the alms we must bring. This is how we pray. This is how we sing. And we can even say fasting. And we know in Louisiana, Mardi Gras is a very big deal. And what is it before? Lent. Forty days of fasting. We can screw up so very bad the things of God when man gets involved in it. Look at, look at New Orleans, right? Okay. How in the world did that go from this is a preemptive thing before we fast? And the church was very involved with it, right? Okay, so uh, these are some do's and don'ts. And Isaiah's day uh, was not much different than ours today. I'll give you a little, little context here. Isaiah was in a time where there was no good candidate for leadership. He was in a time when uh, the people of God were two-faced, and they, didn't, they said one thing and they did another. He was in a time when it seemed like terror was all around and it looked like the, they were going to be attacked from within. And he was in a day uh, where there was just this uh, vagrant immorality and looseness and all kinds of things slandering against God uh, in his day. And he is crying out for his church to be a righteous, faithful remnant of God to follow the true Messiah and expect his soon coming. Now, does that sound like anything that we're going through today, right? And he calls his people to fast. And what happens here in Isaiah 58 is that people have been crying out to God and saying, God, why don't you move in our land? God, why don't you uh, uh, be with our king? God, why don't you save our country? God, why don't you be with us and bless us and prosper us? Why aren't you answering our prayers? And Isaiah gives them the answer from God. All right, here we are. Isaiah 58 Verse 5, God was silent because of their sin, because their fasting was only a quick religious fix. Now watch this. We're going to read 5 through 12, okay? Uh, it is a fast. Isaiah 58, 5. Is it a fast like this which I choose, a day for a man to humble himself? Is it for bowing one's head like a reed and spreading sackcloth out as ashes on a bed? Will you call this a fast, even an acceptable day to the Lord? Is this not the fast which I choose? And God says, to loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the bands of the yoke, and to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke. Is it not to divide your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into the house when you see them naked and to cover him, and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? 
Then, then your light will break out like the dawn, and you, your recovery will speedily spring forth, and your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. And then you'll call, and the Lord will answer. You'll cry, and He will say, Here I am. If you but remove the yoke from your midst and the pointing of the finger and the speaking of wickedness, and if you give yourself to the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then your light will rise in the darkness and your gloom become like the midday. And the Lord will continually guide you and He'll satisfy your desire in scorched places and give strength to your bones and you'll be like a well-watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. And those among you, they'll rebuild the ancient ruins. You'll raise up age-old foundations. You'll be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets in which to dwell. Man, that's a powerful, powerful chapter. He's saying, I don't want a bunch of religious commotion. I want people who have a heart after me. That's just right down to it. He says, and then when you do that, and he lists all these great promises. We're going to go through that real quick because... There's a lot of misconceptions that we can get, and we can turn so very easily fasting into dieting, which it's not bad. I mean, hey, and I told our leadership this last week, if you're going to diet, you might as well do it for the Lord, right? Your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. Might as well do it for the Lord. But it's not just about the lack of food and the better health benefits, because let's look at this real quick. Ten things in Scripture that do not constitute a fast. And number one, you have this on your handout. Number one, you can't have something, that's, it's not going to be something you complain about. That's not a fast. If you're complaining about it the whole time, uh-uh, it ain't working, okay? Number two, it's afflicting the soul to attract God. God, please move. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this for you. I'm hurting myself for you. God don't want you to hurt yourself to get Him to do something. That's not how it works, okay? It's not something, uh, you can't fast uh, and then do something that it, it's beneficial to you or uh, pleasing you. Oh, I won't go spend a bunch of money. I mean, like, you know, like, I, it's not something you're doing that benefits you or gives you pleasure, okay? Uh, it's not rigorous labors either. It's not uh, trying to work your way into God's favor or God's blessing. It's not contention or debates. It's not beating ourselves up with one hand and beating others with the second. <laughs> In one hand, I'm, I'm like, Lord, I'm, I'm hurting myself. And at the same time, why don't you stop doing that? And why don't you do that? You know, see how that's what Israel was doing. On one side, they're like, oh, Lord, help me. I'm putting ashcloth and sack and everything. And I'm mourning in the street and wailing. And they get home and they're Uh-uh, that's not a fast either. You can't do, it's the right hand and the left hand have to be doing the same thing. It's not making a voice to be heard in public. It's not being overly humble to make an impression on others. Oh, brother, just help me. I'm fasting this week. It's, it's not physical acts that represent humility, sorrow, or suffering. And it's not having a sad countenance, disfiguring the face to make a show. That was really common in Israel's day to do those types of things because it was an outward profession of faith. And we have those things that we have an outward profession of faith. But they would moan. Just that was just part of their culture too. Now you got to see that. Not them. They didn't realize it was bad. Okay. They when they had a funeral, they would wail in the streets. And when they had a fast, they'd put on sackcloth and ashes. Okay. And it was just a cultural thing. We would think it weird today if you did that. Okay. So don't anybody over the next month come in here with a, you know a potato sack on top of you and you know dirt on your head. Right. We don't do that today. Uh, but there are other things that we do. 
you know. There are Facebook statuses that we have, you know. Uh, we get real preachy sometimes when we get all into Jesus and we start showing things, but then other time people just scroll down about a page and look at the rest of your posts on Facebook and compare the two <laughs> and see that there's no core, there's, there's a disconnect there, right? There's a lot of things that we can do. That, that have this two-facedness. And so we want to be aware of that. Those things do not constitute a fast. But let's look at these things. That fasting is about having a heart that seeks to please God. That's really simple. Sixteen things Dake lists in Scripture, and I've actually amended this to sixteen. He had it longer than that. That do constitute a fast. And these are things, look at this in Isaiah. Look at what Isaiah says. He says, here's what I kind of fast God likes. Note, I haven't mentioned food at all. God likes it when we loosen the bands of wickedness and we stop sinning. God likes that, number one. That's the very beginning. Stop sinning. He likes it, number two, when we undo heavy burdens, that when we show grace and mercy to others and we don't uh, heap negativity or, or burden or guilt or shame upon other people. And we're, we're being nice to our people maybe that we have... Uh, like if you were a landlord, you're being nice to your tenant. If you were a, a boss, you're being nice to your uh, employees. If you're in a relationship that we're not uh, putting heavy things on other people, we're not burdening people down, that's number two. Number three, he, he says, break the yoke of the oppressed. Man, we need to be a people who are releasing people's debts, who are forgiving people for past wrongs, and are seeing the gospel come in their life to free them from sin. That's the kind of fasting God likes. He says, I want to see the yoke of the oppressed broken. In your midst. No slavery, all that interracial stuff gone, all that cultural division gone. But more than that, I want to see the gospel preached and chains broken off of people's lives. That's a fast. Think about that. He says, feed the hungry, give shelter to the homeless, clothe the naked. We, a true fast is not just a withdrawal, it's a doing something, right? And he says, the true fast I like is when your church and you are involved in doing things for other people that shows my love, that blesses other people. And so I'm feeding the hungry, sheltering the homeless. I'm looking for the outcast of society. If you missed this morning, go back and listen to it online when it comes out in a week. That's what our church is going towards and going to be about. Number seven, I like this one. Not hiding from or neglecting needs of those around you. We call this the sin of omission. Everybody ever heard that before? This is, in the city, sometimes, I will confess, <laughs> we had people knock on our door all the time uh, when we lived in the, inner, in the inner city of Columbia. And a lot of times it was people wanting money, and I'm not being cynical, they would want money for drugs, just be honest. And so sometimes when people, in, in, in the country, I notice people knock on our door, turn quick, the light's off, we're not home, right? And sometimes you do that, Okay. And I know none of you do that because you're awesome, nice southern hospitality. But in the north, that's not uncommon. And what it means, also it means that you have that brother or that sister who might not be a, who might, in your family might be called good for nothing and they always want money and they're always asking you. This is a verse for that as well. It's saying, I'm not neglecting the needs of those around me. And we'll, I'm not going to get into all the theology of that. But we want to be a people who care for not only our family, our friends, to an extent within God's wisdom and by the direction of the Holy Spirit clause, but be a people who care for other people and don't turn a blind eye to needs around us and are willing to forgive 
and move on and help people because really we know the, the problem that they have is not a physical problem, it's a heart problem. It's a sin issue. And the only thing that's going to help that is breaking the yokes of sin, which we go back to number two or three. Uh, it goes on, so I'm not turning away, I'm not just walking by people. The, remember the, the story of the rich man and Lazarus, he walked by him on the gate, back and forth, into his house, never helped him, okay? We don't want to be a people who notices the needs. God, are there needs for poor kids in our community? God, are there needs uh, for single moms? I told you this morning, 10% of our community is single moms. What are we doing to help single moms? 14% of our church, or 14% of our parish is under the poverty level. What are we doing as a church to minister and not just give handouts, but really help them get out of poverty? We need to be a church that doesn't just preach the gospel and say, okay, go clothe yourself, go feed yourself, go get yourself out of debt. We need to be a people that says, hey, this is the main issue. Get your heart right. But yes, after that, we're going to walk with you on the road to physical and spiritual betterment. So uh, Jesus fed them. And preach the gospel, right? And so, uh, number one, uh, where are we at? Number eight, calling upon God. Cry out to God. We've got to be a church that's spiritually hungry. That's a true fast. Number nine, stop blaming and speaking negative things about others. That means controlling the tongue. Controlling the tongue is fasting. Woo, that's a must. We should have preached that one until everybody's not here. Okay, uh, ten, give yourself to the hurting. That's a fast. Honor and delight in the Sabbaths by avoiding doing things at your own pleasure and seeking God's first. You're all here. I love you. Uh, see, the, the Sabbath, believe it or not, is still a command of God. I'm not going to go into this or not, and, and I know we're on Sunday and not Saturday, and Saturday was a Jewish Sabbath. We're not getting into all that. God says every week, take a day of rest, and He says, give me a day. And there's a day that is God's, and we should still do that. Even though we're in the New Covenant, that is still something in the New Testament. And I believe that there is something to be said, and people are healthier when they physically rest and spiritually rest. Amen? And there's things there. It says, avoid doing things for your own self on the Sabbath. Be a people. Now, we're not saying don't go get your donkey out of the well. We're not saying... Uh, don't do any kind of work on the Sabbath. We're saying, on the Sabbath, though, on Sunday, let us be a people who say, God, today is your day. I can have six days. God, I'm going to give you at least one. And I'm going to be a person who says, God, I'm going to be about what you want to do today, God. And so that's something we should do. Honor God in all things. 12, 13, live an unselfish life. And I love these because you can really list these down. It says, life of worship, life of love, life of obedience, and life of witness. Honor God, live an unselfish life, live for God, not your own pleasure, speak God's word by His Spirit, and finally, the very, very end, the last one is abstain from food. Fifteen things that we can do without even having to give up a meal. Those are fasting. Those are considered, God, a better thing than giving up food. And if we could not have to give up food to do those other things, that's great. I like to eat. But sometimes we have to withdraw from the things of this world and withdraw from physical nourishment to make sure our priorities are in order. And so let's talk about this a little bit more. Because fasting is a lifestyle first. And you sum all this up, you would say fasting is a lifestyle. It's not one single action. It's not a show of religion. It's not a way to earn God's favor. It's not, a meant, it's not really meant to help you lose weight. That might be a benefit. Uh, and it's no substitute for obedience. 
Fasting is no substitute for obedience. It is means to grow in communion and obedience with God. So it's a lifestyle. There's an old hymn that says, Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy with Jesus but to trust and obey. Anybody ever heard that song before? Old, old hymn. We sang it in uh, Belize, actually, I think. One of the churches there. Fasting is an attitude. Look with me in Matthew 25, 35. He says, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in naked, and you clothed me sick. You visited me in prison, you came to me. He says that you have to have that kind of an attitude and that kind of a servant's heart to be a person who makes it into heaven. Sum that up. People who have preached the gospel, cast out demons, had signs and wonders, may not make it into heaven if they do not have a fasted heart. A heart that is saying, God, I am here to please you, love others as I love myself, think of you in the case of all these poor pitiful people in this world that, Jesus, what if you were starving in Africa? Jesus, what if you were that young kid down on Midway who doesn't have shoes this year for a new school system and God whose dad is in prison and who doesn't, whose mom can't work, but two, he's working two jobs, not making but $11,000 a year. I'm listing people's life that I've encountered since just a month ago. And God, that what if you were that family? What would I do? Think about it. That's what he's calling our church to. Over the last six months, I've encountered six single moms who have a dad, who are husbands in prison. They have multiple children. Some of those children be pregnant, and they only make $11,000 a year, and they live here in our parish. We've helped them, but is that, you know, like, what if they were Jesus? What would we do? What would I do if Jesus Christ was in their shoes? Lord, help me that I should do more, right? And so fasting is this character. It's this heartbeat. It's coming back in line with this lifestyle that we're going to get just like Jesus and be like Jesus. And it's a character thing. And it comes from a revelation of God's grace. It comes not from a promoting ourselves of, God, I'm going to get real close to you and I'm going to be more powerful, I'm going to be more effective, but it really comes from a deeper appreciation of, God, I realize what you've done for me and, God, I can spend myself for you. And that's this attitude. And there are blessings that come from this. And really, you should know before I get into this that obedience to the Lord always comes before joy in the Lord. You notice that people want joy in this world. Man, I want peace, I want joy. And we're, you could watch a popular TV preacher right now and he could tell you how to live the best life now. I won't mention his name. <laughs> but obedience to God, sorry, obedience to the Lord comes before joy in the Lord. And we have to obey. And there are 20 blessings from obeying God and having a heart like His. And look at these. There are 20 just in Isaiah 58. You'll have light as day. You'll have health that springs forth. Your righteousness goes before you. God's glory will be behind you. You'll receive answers to prayer. You'll cry and God will answer you. Your light, your, the, the glory of God, the, the, the light of the gospel inside of you will rise out of obscurity. Your darkness will be as noonday. The Lord will guide you continually. Man, that's just an awesome one right there. He'll satisfy you in drought. He'll make your bones fat. 
We're already big bone, God, but you'll make your bones fat. You'll be like a watered garden, unfailing in spring of water. Uh, your waste, the, the waste things will be built up. You'll raise foundations of many generations. Man, that we'll have a generation of children and people that come after you, disciples uh, who'll follow God. You'll be called repairer of the breach, a person who rebuilds lives, who rebuilds things. And uh, uh, you'll delight yourself in the Lord. And God will cause you to ride up high, and He'll feed you with a heritage of Jacob. Man, that is a rich, non-earthly, tangible blessing. That is something heaven comes down. That's basically saying heaven will come down in your life when you get a heart like God. And when you re- 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 remove your heart from the things and the desires of this world, and you get all into Jesus. You start loving people like Jesus does. Well, you know, this is in the Old Testament. Yeah. That's right. Amen. We, you know, and that's the fast that he wants. But I'm talking about my own self and my own life. Some of these things I may do well with, but some I don't. Right. And so it's through fasting that I get stronger in that area. That's good. I'm already belong to Amen. He's given me the strength to do what I'm supposed to. That's good. And I like that because Isaiah is prophesying about the new covenant in Christ. This is all about what it means to be in Him and look like Him and act like Him, and there's many blessings that come from it. And there's this doctrine to fasting. If you'd sum it up, the doctrine says, uh, if you look at this, you know, many, many powerful missionaries and evangelists made a lifestyle out of fasting. I think about, uh, I look back, and John Wesley uh, would not ordain a man to ministry who did not fast two days a week. I'm like, ooh, Lord, help me. He wouldn't ordain somebody who didn't fast two days a week. Derek Prince is a, a popular writer who, who, who's died now. Uh, but he fasted one day a week since his conversion at 24 years old. I think he fasted every Friday, if I remember correctly. 20, from 24 years old, he fasted every Friday until he died, I think in his 70s or 80s. Uh, and they totaled it up. And at the end of his life, he had seven years of complete fasting, if you add up all the days. Seven years he fasted of his life. That's pretty awesome, you know? And he had a great ministry. Uh, you know, seven years. I mean, like, man, Lord. And so he, you have to choose whatever God would call you to do. Maybe it's one day a month. Maybe it's one day a week. Lord, help us. Uh, uh, but fast, typically, at the, if, if the literal definition means to abstain from food. And we know that because what it goes back to is the fall of man. We are abstaining from the desire, Okay. We desired things, and we ate that fruit. And so we are symbolically back to God, saying, God, take it back. I'm going to abstain and choose you instead. And it's a very symbolic thing. And so we have to get the symbolism and the spiritual meaning behind it more than just not eating. So think about the fall of man, and it's meant to humble the soul. It's meant to desire, uh, deny sinful appetites. Uh, it's, it's meant to promote an earnestness to God. It's meant to give me more time for prayer and reveal His will. So, for instance, if I fast lunch, I should take that time that I was going to eat lunch and pray and read my Word. Amen. That's what it is. If I, just, if I don't eat lunch, but then I go watch TV, it really didn't benefit me at all. So we're replacing something physically. Say, God, I'm giving up this desire, even though it's something I need, and I know that to tell my body that my spirit man is more important, that my soul will last forever, this body will fail, and yet, God, I need you more than food. 
I need you more than blank or this thing. And uh, prayer and fasting, Jesus said, helps us overcome temptation. Uh, Mark 17, he says it's the cure for unbelief, that it develops faith in us, that prayer and fasting together will develop faith in you. So if you feel like you're weak in your faith or you want to grow your faith, prayer and fasting is something you should do. Uh, Jesus challenged us to fast and to pray regularly in secret uh, for a greater reward. But you should know, too, that the devil tempted Jesus when he fasted. So you should expect two things. One, the devil's going to come against you. He's going to put all kinds of thoughts in your heads when you fast. Be aware, okay? And number two, that your flesh is like this virus, okay? And when you, when you don't eat, it gets mean, okay? And you get cranky, and you get ornery, and you get short-tempered, and it just comes out. And I know I am not an expert on fasting. I've fasted uh, a decent amount over the last couple of years. And, uh, and you are on edge when you fast, especially if you were like me several years ago who was addicted to Dr. Pepper. And when you take that caffeine out of your body and you get those caffeine headaches, you're not a pleasant person. Now, Lord, thank you. I don't have that anymore. Uh, and so I've cut back. But those things, that flesh, you know, that flesh wants to live. It des- it's evil. It-, it desires control of you. And you don't even often realize how much control it has until you take its power away. And then it begins to fight and fight and fight for ownership of you. You'd be surprised. After the end of fasting, what you've noticed about yourself. And uh, those are things to think about. That Not only do you have the devil on one side trying to uh, call you to give up, but you have your, your flesh on the other side who's really fighting for control because he knows that it's dying. Uh, fasting regularly in moderation is good. It's actually, there's some physical benefits. Uh, Jewish people, uh, you look at their kosher diet, you look at fasting in the Old Testament, all these types of things. Uh, even physicians out there have promoted fasting. And so it's kind of a cleanse. You, t- you see this online, a juice cleanse and all this kind of stuff. There's medical reasons that God also, we, we see that they promoted fasting. And all believers are called to fast, lastly, but there are no set rules of regulations. So fasting, lastly, should be led by the Holy Spirit, number one. Jesus was led by the Spirit of when to fast. And so you cannot get into a religious state where we say every year in January we will fast. And I will. We will probably continue to do that. But throughout the year and on your own, God, what should I? I'm not going to tell you what to fast. Let God tell you what to fast and how often and how much. Um, But there are many reasons to fast. And like I said, I'll sum them up. Humble yourself in repentance for your sin. Repent on behalf of your nation. Ask God for guidance. Ask God for help and intervention in bad circumstances. Fast to get a blessing or invoke God's blessing and aid on your spiritual venture. God, I want to grow spiritually. Great time to fast. You realize, man, I haven't really grown spiritually in a long time. It's been a long time since I've had a really personal revival with God. Fast. Fast and pray. And... uh It's for deeper communion, and it's for to discipline yourself and devotion, and it's also in a time of sorrow. It's also okay to fast. And I'm going to wrap up, but I want to say this too as a disclaimer. Fasting is no, uh, not something to take lightly, and many people have health conditions. And I will say also, contact your doctor if you have taking medication. If you are going to do a serious fast, you should drink plenty of water every day. I think it's uh, uh, two to three quarts of water a day. 
and uh, limit your activity. Don't overexert yourself. If you're fasting, it's probably not a good time to go out there and, and weed whack or something like that, you know. Uh, be, be aware of those things. And when you end the fast, do not go eat a big meal at the very end of it. Take a cracker or some cheese or something slow and get your body back because your stomach is strong. You will be very, very sick and hurting the next day if you just, oh my gosh, I haven't eaten in a day or two, and you just pile it all in. Uh, go back slow and uh, give thanks to God throughout the whole thing. Just spend time with Him. Worship. Go, go all in. Um, let's pray tonight. Any questions before before I go? Yes, sir. Go for it. And and you'll be surprised. It's actually hard. In my opinion, it's actually harder to fast one or two days than it is seven. Uh, because it's the first two, one to one to two days, really, that is where your body's, where, yeah, you're kind of with that draw from food. And by the, if you get to six days, six days is actually like, yeah, it's pretty normal. I got this, you know. And it gets easier as you go. Now, I have a close friend of mine who's fasted forty days multiple times, and I'll say if you get to a length of time like that, um, uh, I would recommend uh, like V8 or protein shakes and vitamins and things like that. Uh, if you have medicine, again, again that, you have to factor in all that kind of stuff. And, and again, at the end of the day, it's not as about, you have to let God lead you. You've got to be mentally and spiritually prepared to enter into a season like that. And that's why we're starting this early and starting it slow and then going bigger. Uh, because at the end of the day, we just want to know God. We just want to be more like Him. And it doesn't have to be food. Sometimes it's easier. Some people can give up food a lot easier than they can Facebook or computers or phones or whatever. Right. Right. Pick your fast. Fast around that, that, that sports thing. And I, I will, I forgot to mention the Daniel fast. Anybody know about the Daniel fast? Okay, Daniel fast, fruits and vegetables. Yeah, natural food, um, fruits and vegetables. Um, that's a very good fast. Actually, I, I enjoy, I told Beth I was going to do that for a length of time uh, this month. And I was like, you know, I really, that's not, I like it. <laughs> I like it. So it's not really going to work for me, you know. So I need to do something that is actually hard. So Daniel fast for me. But however, you know, no meat. And all that, and you know, no uh, preservatives, and no starches, and all that kind of stuff. It is hard, but at least you get to eat something. And uh, you know, it's all that's a, that's a very good fast for you. We should probably do that more often. But yes, sir. Yes, you do. That's right. And some people say. When I was growing up, we didn't eat that much anyway, so <laughs> I'm just going to do like it was when Mama, you know. But uh, you do. You have to do it on purpose, and you don't, you don't fast by accident. You do it on purpose. And again, you're doing it for the glory of God and to know Him more and to be more like Him. Isaiah 58, He would rather us do something than just not eat, right? And so perhaps this month when you're fasting, it's more of a time instead of not doing something, what are the positive things I should be doing? 
Like, how many people should I be helping? Who am I praying for? What are the acts of kindness that I'm showing? And, and, and are my finances in order that I'm giving money to the poor, the homeless, and all that? Am I uh, uh, being a person who is in the image of Christ? And so, again, more than just the withdrawal, it's the positive step forward to be like Jesus. Amen? Okay. Let's pray, and I'm going to get you out of here. But um, I encourage you, and let's just take a moment, just every head bowed, every eye closed. And uh, let's just take a moment that God would just stir in your heart. God, what do you want us to do? Where do you want us to go? God, how do we want to be like you? Father, I pray over this moment as we just sit here in silence with you. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Are you calling us to fast? Lord, what should we fast? Lord, what are the things that control us, God? And and maybe there's a meal we should give up, God, to reprioritize our life. God, maybe there's some activities, Lord, some thoughts, some actions, God, that we can put aside to say, God, I want to I get back in tune with you. God, I want to be like Isaiah 58. Lord, and I know that when we do this, God, you're going to bless us from heaven. Heaven is going to fall down in our life, God. And Lord, you're going to rise up. And Lord, people are going to come to know you, not just in this generation, but in the next, and the next, and the next. Because, God, there was a group of people here tonight, God, who made a determination. God, that said, we want to put Jesus Christ first in our life. And we're going to tell our flesh that we're going to love God with our, all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength. God, all of our strength that we have, mental, physical, and emotional, God, we want to say, God, you have all of me. You have all of me. And let this be a checkup for us all, God. That in the next, beginning tomorrow, God, that we would say, God, I'm going to give up this thing for you. And it's not about something we're telling other people or, or, or Lord, and, and, and we're not hiding it either, but we're just saying, God, I'm just doing this for you. Just me and you, God. Father, I pray you'd bless this month. May we be on target with you. May we be in your will. And God, we're doing this fast collectively as a church, God, to say, God, we want to be a church in your will. God, we want to see your kingdom come, your will be done, not only this month, but the rest of this year. And God, we want to see you move in this revival, God. I know we've scheduled it, God, but more than what we've agended and planned and purposed on our calendar, God, we ask that heaven would come down and change people's lives for your glory. God, we want to be victorious for your glory and for your, your, your benefit, God. And Lord, we sacrifice this month uh, to love you more and show our love for you. In Jesus' name, amen.